No, no. Alright. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the welcome to the welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello, fellow gregarious geeks and gamers, and welcome to the 45th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast. This is your monthly dose of tabletop gaming stories and shenanigans. My name is Elias, and with me today, it's the host that plays with my heart the most, Hippocrates. Hello, board game addicts. That, that was from last week. The robot was from, from last month. We're done, we're done with the robot. I didn't part. do the robot. I said, hello, board game addicts. Oh, that's just your, your voice. You just you sound so I'm so, becoming so, a machine. so monotone that I mistook you for a robot from the eighties. Um, and you know this 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 introduction, the host that plays with my heart the most. It wouldn't have worked when Demo was still on the podcast. So you know, oh now, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, oh, I so, see what you did there. Oh. Some of the some of the benefits from having only two hosts nowadays. Uh, but I was thinking, if I was becoming a machine. That would would have been a great story for a movie or something, like a yes, human. Sure. As as you grow up, you become a machine. Mm. Never seen that story. That we should write it. Right. I'm done. I'll, <laughs> I'll get together a, a little skeleton framework for it, and we can we okay. can break it down on Storysmiths. Okay. Um, exactly. You can take it to the other podcast. Yeah. Have you have you been? How's uh, have you been playing anything exciting, interesting, fun? Doing anything board game related that our listeners might want to know about? Yes, but our listeners want to know that I'm playing basically only Blood on the Clock Tower. Oh my god! Because <laughs> because now we have like a great group, a lot of people that want to join and they're more excited every time and uh, now we're trying new scenarios and we have dedicated storytellers and uh, so things are going very well for uh, social deduction lovers uh, i i was in a in an evil stream where uh, i was playing uh, the evil guys for four games in a row and uh, you know it's like uh, stressing it's stressful to play the evil team all the time so anyway i i love playing the game and i loved playing the the second scenario the blood uh, night what's the name what blood oh fuck i don't remember the, the name trouble brewer is the, the first one and the third scenario that we're going to try this thursday is sects and violets so my little girl, my, my daughter, she said to me, oh, dad, I want to play the third scenario, which is uh, sex and violence. And I heard sex and violence. Yeah, I think that's what it's <laughs> supposed to be playing off of. And I, and I was thinking, what did you say? <laughs> she said, sects and violets. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can play that. So well, we're going to so, play I'm, this. I'm so, I'm so happy for you and your little party game group, you know. Must be, uh, and, and it, it's <laughs> you're okay, turning it dad, the longer I leave you, the more you turn into just like a 
like yeah. a party gamer. You're just losing everything that made you you, Hippocrates. That's, uh, that's true. That's very come, true. I need to, to, to visit you this summer to set things straight in your mind. I'll bring a copy of no, Pericles. I mean, <laughs> oh, yes. We used to play, you know, the, the light games uh, on Tuesdays and then heavier games on Fridays. Basically, not even that. I mean, last year, this, uh, this like last February, we were playing like Tuesday's Hegemony and uh, Friday's even heavier games. And now we play light games on Tuesdays and Blood on the Clock Tower on Fridays. So, yes, there is a turn. Sorry, maybe, uh, maybe it's I was... your Hegemony and Party Game group. I apologize for... Speaking of, <laughs> I might be playing Hegemony this weekend, actually. Um we, uh, is it your first we, time? Yeah, we have a game scheduled for this Sunday. So, uh, hopefully, is everybody's first time? It will be everybody's first time. Yes, uh, four players. Four players. That's the plan. I don't know if it's going to happen, okay. but that's the plan. So uh, there you go. I just want to say, if you play the middle class, it's like the the most difficult to play for to to you know to handle for the first time for the first timers. Because you need to combine strategies from both the working class and the capitalists. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I'll probably so play patient, that basically. because I, I enjoy uh, uh, playing the more Because you are the middle factions. class. I, no! <laughs> <laughs> How hard could it be if I'm just playing me? Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll let you know if we do, if we do, I don't think I'll do like a review because you've talked about it so much on this podcast, but we can talk about a little bit, my experiences with it. So this um, sessions review. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's been, it's so what, been, did, what did you play? Playing a lot of Gloomhaven as usual <laughs> with my weekly Gloomhaven. Fro Frosthaven? No, I mean Gloomhaven. So I play. With Dima, I play Frosthaven, and with Mo, I play Gloomhaven. Oh, so oh, yeah, I have online. two campaigns. On, uh, on, uh, yeah, uh, on the app, on the game version, the on, on Epic ah, okay. Game Store. So both Mo, so I have two campaigns going on at the same time, Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, but I've talked. Is it good online? Those. It is, yeah. But I think you're you're served a lot by having played the game in real life. So like yeah. Mo Mo doesn't really like instinctively that. understand like who they're going to attack if two people are equidistant from an enemy. He doesn't instinctively understand that like range if you're adjacent to them leads to disadvantage. He doesn't instinctively understand like different conditions. So it's just once you play it a few times in real life, you that just becomes like second nature. So when you play it online, you don't have to think too much about it. So um yeah. yeah. And also, for every game, uh, I guess. After the last, speaking of Mo, after the last experience of Cryptid, in which he broke the game twice in a row um, by being <laughs> lucky, <laughs> I guess, uh, I basically put it on my trade list and somebody reached out to me and asked if they I would oh. like to trade it. So I'm going to be trading that. He might be passing by today. Um, and I'm going to be trading it for oh. Black Sonata, which is like a solo game with deduction set in like Shakespeare's London and I'm excited to try that one and report back on it. So look out for Black Sonata coming up soon. Black Sonata is, is in my watch list. I wanted to play it in my, in my wish list maybe. Yeah. And I wanted to play it and... Because if it was on your watch list, you could just watch me play. 
player. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Are you going to make a video or something? Ah, uh, you know, not a bad idea. It's yeah. simple enough that I could. All right, let's yes. do that. Let's do that. Right. I would love I would love to watch that. Cool. Uh, and we we played Cryptid uh, last week like three times in a row. People were playing it for the first time and they loved the game. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think that if if I had Zendo, everybody would be <laughs> in love with that game. So I searched in Amazon UAE and they have Zendo. Amazing. Or something it? like No, because they they wouldn't ship it to Qatar for some reason. Oh, gotcha. I don't know why. I mean we're we're so close. I'm waiting for somebody to go to Dubai from Qatar and then I will order the game and ship it to his hotel, maybe? Can I do that? <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess I can. <laughs> I guess I can. It's okay though. Don't worry. Everything's fine. I already have it, so everything's fine. Uh, oh. Don't pa- don't panic. Okay, but I do so want to get to Canada. We can play. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's a little expensive. More expensive <laughs> than buying it from the, from Amazon UAE. <laughs> I want to uh, get those like extra like rules packs. So there's like that deck of rules that you can use. There's a few like packs you can get to add to the game. I've been wanting to pick those up, but they're out of stock everywhere all the time. So, uh, yeah. Why is it out of stock? I mean, do they have a, like a good publisher or like a... I think it's Looney Labs. So it's a pretty small publisher. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking what did you of, play? Yeah, yeah. Games other than Gloomhaven <laughs> that I've been playing. <laughs> um, we recently, with my friends uh, Matt and Chris, we went over to their place and to Matt's place and we played a game that I I had my eye on just because of the theme. I didn't know much about the game, but it just seemed like such an interesting theme. And that game was My Father's Work by T.C. Petty III, Renegade, Renegade Game Studios, published in 2022. Um, oh T.C. Okay, T.C. So Petty III has, uh, <laughs> has a game I've always wanted to play called Xenon Profiteer, which is a game like, it's like a reverse deck builder. So you know, like when you're playing deck, building games you get like your hand gets you get all these good cards but then you want to increase the frequency of getting those cards so you spend time getting rid of the shittier cards in your hand so yeah, yeah. More like deck building yeah Plus well the op- deck building yeah so in xenon profiteer you start with like a bunch of stuff in your hand and you're purifying it so that it's just xenon right and then you're selling that xenon <laughs> So the purer you can get it, the more points you can score. So it's just built on that mechanic. I think that's really cool. Anyway, not really the point. Uh, T.C. Petty the Third also but made this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. T.C. Petty the Third. Okay, who is called the Third? What is I mean, this? What what name is the this? Third? Is probably I mean, the only son kings. Of, of the Second. <laughs> only kings. I have. I have like I, like I know that they were the Third. Okay, I, I know Junior. Maybe okay, Elliot Junior. Yeah, Junior is the that, second, yeah. and then Junior Junior is the third. <laughs> <laughs> but the third, I mean, what is this? I, I recently God. was watching a basketball game, and a player on the 76ers who I'd never seen before, they got a bunch of injuries, so they're going deep into their bench. One player comes out, and on his back it says, Council Live. And I was like, What's Council Live? What's Council Live? And then I realized it was Council the Fourth. His, the name of the back of his jersey is Council the Fourth in Roman numerals. And I was like, that's a fire name. 
Anyway, so TC published this game, which is the point of today, my father's work, and the basic idea of it thematically. <laughs> oh, That's... yeah. So he's the third, and he he's, the name of his <laughs> game is My Father's Work. So TC Petty the second. Exactly. Yes. So TC Petty the second's work is the. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the game. And his child is TC Pettyev. That's the name of his child. Uh, anyway, can I please talk about this game <laughs> for the love of no, God? No, no. I, I think this is more more important. <laughs> we, I think I, I see some like father son issues in this, <laughs> like. Anyway, okay, yeah, talk about the game. I mean, let's, yeah, when you when you when part. you give your name to your child, you're sort of putting a lot of sort of expectation or sort of like it's even more than dictating what they do for a living. It's dictating who they are, like what their name is. So perhaps this is the onus and the the core of the theme, which is about Victorian era. <laughs> uh, they say like oh. alchemists, but it's more just like rich people in the Victorian era who as a hobby become mad scientists. You know how it was uh, back then yeah. when, when you had money, you would just dabble in mad science. That's kind of the nature of being rich. And uh, what you're trying to do is you're competing uh, to, to complete your late father's mysterious and ambitious work. Um, what it actually is, is you're playing the game over three generations and each generation has basically three <laughs> rounds. Okay, I, I I cannot help it. Are you really <laughs> playing the game over three generations? <laughs> 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 okay, come on. Do you see a pattern now? Yes, I do. I didn't realize this. But the first generation, just, yeah. So, so the way it's, it's laid out, the first generation is called TC Petty. The second generation is called TC Petty the second. <laughs> Uh, so basically it's, th- it's three rounds i guess no no it's three like big, yeah yeah not rounds three like generations each generation is three rounds so each generation is like early years middle years late years and um basically uh, the first generation you're kind of like you're the father of this mad science family and uh, then you know you're that person's child and then that person's child um and you're trying to accomplish something as a family you have some sort of obsession like when i played it was a love potion i wanted to create a love potion <laughs> to control the minds of weaker willed individuals um but yeah you're playing the game through worker placement resource management that's kind of the core of it you're gathering resources learning knowledge conducting experiments and so on and um you have different kinds of workers. So there's you, T.C. Petty, the first, second, or third. Then there is your uh, spouse and then slash servants, which is an interesting discussion. (laughs) But basically you have like a servants type miniature and one of them is your spouse, which can do a little bit more than the other servants. But... It's a servant <laughs> miniature. We can talk about that in its own discussion topic. And then you oh have God, like... There's so, so many things to talk about <laughs> in this game. Victor- uh, okay, it's Victorian era. I guess it makes sense. And then you have like a groundskeeper, you know, like Igor sort of thing. Um, and the cool thing is the different kinds of workers can do different things. So like you can go anywhere, but your groundskeeper can only stay do things in your manner. 
Like he can't go to the village because he has a grotesque hump and people throw things at him the whole time. Um, and your spouse or servant, um, they can only do things in the village because if they find out what you're doing in the manor, you can use them, but then they'll leave you. So <laughs> you uh, can, yeah. Um, also, the spouse doesn't know what I'm doing, which makes no, sense, no, I guess. No, they're just being servants as it was, as it's meant to be. Um, but, uh, at least you can switch bases between male, female, whatever gender um, uh, miniatures. So your spouse could could be a dude. So it's not sexist, I guess. Just uh, spousist. <laughs> Let's call it that. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're going around. You're collecting resources, things, you know, dead bodies from the graveyard, um, animals from the butcher, you know, stuff like that. And then chemicals. So that's a worker placement part, I understand. Yeah, exactly. And on your board, okay. there's worker placement as well, where you're like turning certain things into knowledge. And then the more knowledge you have, uh, the less stuff you need to, to do the higher level cards because there's like multiple level cards. And the way it works is, so there's level A, B, C, and then your, your main one, your family goal is a level D. And you can do an A anytime, but you need at least an A to do a B. Um, and then you need at least two B's to do a C and then you need at least three C's to do a D. So it's like, it gets increasingly more difficult. Um, so yeah, the point of all this is you're getting all these things, you're doing these experiments, increasing your knowledge and so on. And uh, another thing that's in the game is the game is app driven. Uh, so there are these like moral dilemmas that come into play during the game. So there's story elements happening. You put in your names and it's like a letter from Dima. And she's like these pathetic uh, peasants, <laughs> you know what I mean? And stuff like that. Um, the game itself comes with three scenarios, but each one has multiple pathways. So you can play it multiple times. You don't, it's not like, you know, what's going to happen every time you play it. Um, but you get these moral dilemmas, which are driven by the app, and you have these like, yes, no, vote token. Sometimes you pass the iPad and you pick something. So, for example, um, one of us was able to curse the village in the scenario that we're playing, but we didn't know which one of us it was. So um, we just kind of had a thing where they were like, pick one place to curse, and then you go around and you curse that place, and all four of us picked the church <laughs> because theme, I don't know why. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's there's elements of that in the game, and sometimes it can be funny. It can be like, why do we all pick the church? I don't know. Maybe we all have religious trauma. Um, but at the end of the day, that was kind of the only reason we all picked the church because we didn't even realize what would happen once we cursed it, which is like that action wasn't available for that round. So, you know, there's 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 different elements, story driven stuff. It's not always the best about telling you what the impacts of your choices are going to be. And like I said, you play three generations, but what's cool about it is at the end of every generation, you can leave one thing for your next generation to start off with. Plus every building expansion you add to your manor stays and each building expansion adds an element. So this building expansion might say, get two extra servants. This one might say, uh, start with this much money, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, the, uh, so you, so you, you, your next generation starts off a little bit better than the, the generation previous because they, they have more buildings. Basically your, uh, yes. Your stuff. Yeah, Plus one, one secret knowledge thing. So one of the experiments that you did, usually 
the most difficult level one, right? So like a level C or whatever. Uh, and you can store that, and then that will count towards their count of how many A's, how many B's, how many C's that you have in the next generation. Because every generation, other than those two things, you're starting from scratch. So you start with, you know, the same setup. And I guess every generation score points, I guess, in the end. Yeah, it's, it's total points, exactly. So uh, it's, it, the points just keep adding. There's a track around it. It's a Euro game. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, one of the fun things about this game uh, is, uh, have you ever watched Young Frankenstein? <laughs> the uh, Mel Brooks movie? I th- I'm not sure. Maybe long ago. I love that movie. And basically this movie is just young Frankenstein. And so everybody sitting around the table is just constantly making jokes like, actually, it's Igor, you know, <laughs> or Frankenstein. Roll, roll in the hay. You know, the whole, the old classic werewolf, their wolf, their castle. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, but, but that was that was your friends not the game itself yeah right? but but the, the, that's the theme if, if you like young frankenstein this game's theme is oh. young frankenstein uh even the even okay. the experiments are funny you know like the first experiment i did oh. was i put i put a clock in the chest of a fruit bat you know <laughs> you know what i mean like oh. <laughs> it's it's it, it, now i got you yeah yeah so let me just talk a little bit about how i felt about the game um things i didn't like because i want to get them out of the way because uh spoiler i really like the game one thing was (laughs) it it can have a little take that element to it very little but like for example there was a private decision where chris had to pick something on the uh because he was in last place on the uh on the ipad and it basically was like put this token on the score track and when you reach it, something happens, but only Chris knows what that is. And I was really far ahead of everyone at that point. So it was definitely going to be me. And it was like minus three points. And I don't like that. I don't like uh, when yeah. a game, I wish that element was not in the game, to be honest with you. And sometimes yeah. the app is more trouble than it's worth. So the story elements are great. The voting stuff is great. I wouldn't say that's what makes the game. I think the game is solid. I think the app is kind of extraneous to it. And I think that moments like, for example, at one point we forgot to click something when we had finished a round or something like that. And then when we realized that we had to undo a bunch of things and go back and click it and work our way back to it because like so many things change every time you click a button. So like, you know, it can be, it can be frustrating sometimes more than anything. Um, Do you think the the app could be replaced by a deck of cards or several deck of cards or something? Not to the same, not to do the same thing, but yes, it could have been designed that way, but it's not like the, 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 the app will track things. So like that, when I gave you an example of where we were cursing places that happened over multiple rounds. And the idea is that at some point it tells you, Oh, uh, at this point, like you got to vote who you think is the one that's actually cursing everything. And then based on where it got cursed, you have to try to figure out through deduction, which one it was. Uh, but there was no way we kept track of that. Like the app kept track of all that and, and, and did all that. So, yeah. so I, I think there are elements that were built in specifically for the app, but I didn't find those elements to be the reason the game was good. Actually, I, f- I found it to be a little, the app was a little tedious and the writing on the app was long winded. Like, just sometimes just shut the fuck up. like come on like just like 
you could write <laughs> half the words and we would be in the same, like, you know? Um, so it, it got a little sort of self. They were trying to be thematic, I guess, and get yeah, the it was, it was, right. But in the end, some of it just ends up sounding like you're far up your own asshole. You know what I mean? Like that, that's ah, kind yeah. of, yeah. But uh, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of value to it. I wasn't crazy about the app, not because it's an app. I have no problem with apps and games. Just, um, I, I just feel like they, it could have been streamlined a bit better instead of sort of being a hindrance to the game. Uh, now, the things that I love. One, just the standard edition of the game is what we played. And it is fucking gorgeous. Like all the pieces are oh. beautiful, double layered boards and beautiful little things. My friend, my friend, Chris, uh, souped it up a little bit. Like, uh, the potions are little glass vials with cork. That's how it came. So he like poured colored, you know, uh, epoxy or acrylic or something in them. So they looked like they were filled with different fluids and stuff like that. But that's wow. Not, but the fact the game came with glass bottles and corks and, you know, so, um, and little metal pieces and gorgeous, you know, double-sided boards. The miniatures I could have done without. I don't think they were necessary, but there aren't like a ton in the game. And overall, really excellent and really excellent graphic design as well. You can look at something and immediately understand what it is. I think they did a great job. Beautiful art. Top-notch production. Hats off. Um, I really also like the generational thing because... When you start the next generation, it can feel a little bit like you're starting all over again and you're doing that three times. But those little things that you get from the manor expansions and like the card that's left over, it really helps, especially by the third generation. You're in a much better position when you start than that first generation. But it gives you enough of a challenge. Whereas if you kept everything, there wouldn't be much of a challenge. They would have to really push the difficulty level by the third one. It would be it would be like when we played QE and like we started off with, you know, $500 bids and ended up in 15 trillion. You know what I mean? Like it, it would be like so far beyond what the first one was doing. I like the thematic element of every generation struggling the same way, but just a little better off. It was really good and it felt good too in terms of gameplay. But the most important thing, the reason I like the game and I'm planning to play it with Byron on Tabletop Simulator maybe next week is... The gameplay is so engaging and it has an awesome decision-making space. You know, just to, to give you an example of it. So there, there is a place on your manor where it's kind of like a manor affairs box. And it's all it does is give you a couple of coins. And you don't, you only, the only real reason to go there is if you desperately need money, but usually there's a better place to make money somehow. Um, so the only real reason to go there is if you don't want to go anywhere else. That's kind of the point of it. Um, and there is something I forgot to say, but if a space is already taken by a worker, the one on the village, your manor is your own. But if another worker takes a village spot, you can still go there. You just have to pay a little bit of money to the bank. So you're never fully blocked out. So you can always get what you want. It just becomes more expensive. Um, so the only reason you would ever go to the one on your board that gives you a couple of coins is if you just don't really have anything to do. And like in the entire game, I don't think anyone used it. Maybe once, one time when a person realized he was out of the game and he fucked up 
and he didn't have a chance to get that last project he was planning on. That's the only time I can think of somebody used it. Other than that, every action was precious, you know? And I think that's usually uh, a sign of a good worker placement game. Um, I really like that you're never cool. fully blocked out, but it costs you more. And that, that can be a huge impact how much it costs you. And it makes turn order matter. But you can never say, I can't accomplish this. There's also multiple ways to accomplish things. Like there's a there's a wild knowledge, which is like the occult, you know? And that can be used to replace any knowledge you're lacking in like biology or chemistry or engineering. So like there's, there's flexibility, there's different ways to get to the same point. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I would maybe criticize about the game maybe is it's a little long for what it is. Um, uh, but I do think Did that you, play, you played four players, full, full count, four players, but I do think that it's a touch long, but I'm going to be honest with you. That ties into my criticism of the app. I think without the app, the game is an hour shorter at 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 minimum. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't feel like oh. it made the game sh- more run smoother. I feel like it just added a bunch of extra stuff to the game, which is great, but not why the game is good. So I would, I would, I would, I would have redesigned that, or you know, made it a little less intrusive, or just replaced it with cards or something. So, yeah. I'm seeing now Board Game Geek. It says it's best with three. And it's a three hours game. Yeah. So for us, it was like four hours with four players. So um, how are you gonna play it online with uh, Byron? I mean, w- the app. Uh, there's a there's a t- t- there's a tabletop simulator uh, where the app is on an iPad on the table. Really? <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Wow. Uh, I haven't I haven't That's tried fantastic. it, but but yeah, he wants to play it, and I know how to play it. So so yeah, my overall thoughts on my father's work. This is clearly T.C. Petty the third putting his own like generational trauma into a game form, and we need to we need to have an interview with him to discuss that. Uh, but I think it's it's a great theme. It's funny sometimes. It's immersive. I love the gameplay. I love the decision space, um, and I really enjoy the generational thing and the fact that you feel like there's a challenge every single generation, but you're a little better off, so you can accomplish a little more than your parents. Um, and I really like that. My main negative really at the end of the day, wish there wasn't that little take that element. And, um, I think the app could be made to streamline the game rather than add time to the game. And, uh, that's what I think. And overall big recommend for me, like to the point that I would say, if, uh, if, if I'm no longer in Toronto or Chris sells the game or something, I'd, I'd pick up a copy. Like I, I liked it. I do think it could do with an expansion with more scenarios. Um, but like, you know, it's not like we play games thousands of times. So like three games, three scenarios with multiple paths will last you, I don't know, six to nine games. So that's pretty good. Um, but it, it would be nice to have like little optional packs to pick up just like the one pack. And then you pick it up and you're like, Oh, now I have this new scenario I can play, but recommend if you get a chance to try it, my father's work really good. I want to say I was uh, watching the pictures from Board Game Geek all this time, and, and it looks fantastic. It is. I mean, it's I, beautiful. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like so many details, and uh, is that a deluxe edition, maybe, or I don't know. He, I'm, he I'm just not, said he, he bought. I the don't regular. know if I'm looking at regular pictures or. He said he bought the regular edition, but like. Those coffins are the same. They look like coffins. All the animals are different. 
the little glass bottles are there. So like, I don't know, man. So just it, an excellent. Uh... Yeah, just an excellent production. So production. Uh, yeah, they did a great job, really, with that, and great job with the design. Um, overall, like, very little negative to say about it. I feel like the negatives just derive from maybe wanting to do a bit too much, and overall, we all do that a little bit. Like, you know, when I write, there are things that I could leave out that would probably make the story better, but I don't because I want them in there because they're cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and even though people yeah. tell me it could probably do without this, I keep them in there. I feel like that's what the app and the take that element are. They're yeah. just a little this, extra that maybe don't need to be there, but Hey, he made a great game. So I'm not going to complain the, to him for the little extra stuff. So. And you know, th they say the same about game design, but sometimes yeah, the things yeah. you love, you love the most are the things you need to live out of the game. As a designer, yeah, you would know exactly. As a designer <laughs> of, of many unpublished games. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yes. Um, so actually, yeah, um, I, I would like to play that game now. Uh, I'm the f your father's work. I think I have seen it in a Tuesday night, my board game night. Uh, sorry, board game uh, group. Uh, but I'm not sure about it. Anyway, so... Basically, as, as I was saying before, uh, all this time I was playing the, uh, these uh, social deduction games and Avalon and Secret Hitler and Blood on the Clock Tower. But at some point, I have told my friends if that uh, I need to play Concordia Venus. Because uh, I got Concordia uh, like five years ago, no less, maybe four years ago. And I really played it a lot and I enjoyed it a lot and everybody that played with me enjoyed the game and as I said before uh, one of the greatest thing about this game is that you can teach it in 10 to 15 minutes and people can start playing uh, so it's really engaging and uh, easy to put it on the table so Concordia came out in, 20, in 2013 uh, it's a game by Mac Gertz, which is his name, and not Mark Gertz, as I thought <laughs> for the last 10 years. <laughs> it's Mac Gertz. Okay, anyway. So it's a 2-5 to five players trading game in uh, the Roman uh, Mediterranean Sea, Mare Nostrum, as we were saying at that time. And <laughs> you were trying to do... Uh, well, uh, by selling and producing uh, resources, you're trying to go for efficiency and victory points. Uh, you can check uh, the listeners' uh, episode 21 for our review on the game. But basically, it's a deck-building game uh, with point-to-point -point movement, resource management, and uh, the and it sits right now on number 23 of Board Game Geek's top games uh, of all time. So it's a very popular game also. Mm -hmm. Concordia Venus now, this edition came out in 2018 uh, and it's a two to six player version where you can team up with a partner against other pairs. So that's the basically uh, the basic difference that uh, brings uh, to the table. And I remember seeing this game, this large booth at Essen 2017 when we went together 
I feel they make the difference. I don't know. Uh, also, we don't, have we had played other two uh, player? No, team games we have played, but two player teams. Yeah, War of the Ring uh, uh, and Rebellion. It's kind, of, it's kind of the reason I like. I only like to play War of the Ring four players is uh, you, it's supposed to be better one-on-one, but I really like having a teammate. You know, like so yeah, we can talk. And, yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, and I don't want to I sit was there in silence Pericles. the entire time. Uh, Pericles is like teammates who hate each other, but yes, exactly. It's not. It's not really. Yeah, it, you need to backstab your partner in the end, so it's not <laughs> the, the best. Uh, <laughs> it's part of the game design. Best game. <laughs> so this game, you can even play three teams of two players. So we played it six players, and. For sure, I was thinking that there's no way you can play a, a game uh, like Concordia with six players because you have a lot of doing your turn and, you know, uh, w- waiting till you, the, the round comes back to you. It's, it's going to take forever. But the game really works and it really works because the designer made this uh, great thing where the partners are playing at the same turn. So if it's my turn, I decide what is the action, but both of us, both of the partners are doing the action. And we are sitting opposite to each other. So basically every three rounds, it's your turn to play again. So that makes the players really engaging. It's actually, you're playing even more than if you play a regular four-player Concordia game. And this uh, this was fantastic. I mean, I have never seen this uh, before. Uh, and really, the game is now fast enough and enjoyable, even with six players. I think in the board game geek, if you search, you see that uh, most people are uh, proposing to play a four-player game. I have not played a four-player game. Uh, but I think from now on, I will certainly prefer Concordia over, uh, sorry, Concordia Venus over the playing Concordia game because, as I said, I love two versus twos and this gives me also the opportunity to play with six players. So it's it's a yes for me. That's very interesting because I think most people ended up sort of saying that Venus is fine, it's a nice map, whatever, but I think most people ended up on the uh, team game is not the best version of Concordia, which kind of put me off of it because that was the only reason 
I kind of wanted to play Concordia Venus because Concordia is a fine game. It's a very solid game, good game, I would say. Um, I just, I'm, it's never on my mind to play. It's just so like generic, bland. Just it, it will hit the table enough without me asking for it. And uh, I never really feel like playing it. Um, so I kind of was ex excited about the team element to maybe add some spice to it. And most of the reviews were like, yeah, the team element's not really uh, the better game. So I kind of shied away from it. But now hearing you say it, I trust you more than other people on the internet who are almost always wrong. So um, <laughs> it's, it's nice to... To hear okay. that, maybe maybe I'll actually, make more of an actually, effort. To, uh, yeah, I'm gonna justify why they think like that because if you play, if you have played a lot of Concordia and you have, uh, you know, you know exactly what you need to do next turn in, uh, when you play alone. Now with the two player, you think it's just an obstacle to your uh, plans, mm. but it's some. If you play it just once, you're not gonna realize that it gives a new dimension to your strategy so in the first turns it's pretty obvious what you need to do with your partner but as the game progresses uh, there are certain actions that you need to do that are great for you but are really useless to your partner and in our six player game because three of the players were there it, it was their first time playing concordia so I'm sure they couldn't see this dimension. They were just trying to do whatever it was the best for them. And even myself, it was, I was struggling to understand, okay, uh, now I have a ton of resources that I need to spend in order to make new trading posts. And I need to play the, the, the action that makes new trading posts. But my partner has nothing. So for my partner, it would be best if I make a production action. But my warehouse is full. So for me, it's completely useless to make a new production action. Uh, so because I was playing with, we were playing with new players, we didn't overthink it. But I see that uh, it's very interesting going on this path. Great. Thank so you. yes, this was Concordia Venus. Very interesting. I think that's uh, that's great because I'm. Uh, I know that, that that makes me want to play it more. That makes me want to play it again. It sort of goes up on my interest list again because I remember it was on my wish list, and when I saw that feedback, I put it away. And I can understand that, but like I'm not a person who's like, oh well, we weren't equal in capability and skills, so I didn't have a great game. It's okay if I didn't do well. Like so, I, I'm just I kind of love the idea of working towards something with someone. It's but I hate co-op games because. I don't like when everyone around the table is telling you what to do, but you sharing yeah. ideas with a teammate is is different. Um, so maybe maybe two two player co op games. Maybe that's the way. Maybe I've been playing co op games with too many people. That's the problem. Um, but yeah. <laughs> maybe, playing with the wrong people. Yeah, maybe it sounds less bossy when it's just two people. Um, excellent. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I've been playing a. I got a GMT P five hundred order came in um it's oh. called uh vijayanagara the deccan empires of medieval india and i backed it like i don't know a year ago on p500 and it came i, I guess i'm one of the first ones to get it because as of now there as of my uh, greek uh, geek group dot app 
website thing, which gives you like insights on your collection. There's only 58 copies owned on BGG at the moment. So <laughs> it's one of my rarer games, this one in Yakitori. Um, uh. But I know for a fact that they had like a thousand orders on GMT. So I don't think that's for too long. I think that's just Yeah, it just didn't ship yet. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, I got it first. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so the Do you know is, anything? Did you know anything about the historical background of this game? Why did you order this? Great question. So um, I always go through the GMTP 500 because I like to see what topics they have. And uh, this game is the first game in their Irregular Conflict series, which is using the coin system, but not like a four-player coin game like the usual standard coin games. So it's when they deviate from the coin games, they become ICS games. So I love coin games. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. But I also listened to a podcast episode, uh, Fall of Civilizations, where the guy talked about the Vijayanagara Empire. And uh. Uh, it just happened to be around that time. And I saw it. I saw it was coin-related. And I was like, that was such an interesting thing. I'm tired of all games involving India being like colonization of India. So I was like, <laughs> let me have some more diversity. Fuck the British. Can my, say it, my, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like... I, I love that the Great Zimbabwe. I mean, the British you, Empire, not, not the not the British people, <laughs> the British Empire, right? Okay. So uh, I love, I love that like the Great Zimbabwe, even though it's not very thematic. I love that it's about a civilization that like isn't not very thematic. Is it isn't regularly it's rep, not thematic rep, at all? Like, <laughs> it could have been okay, with fine. penguins, but it will make going people go It'll make people Google the Great Zimbabwe, <laughs> and they'll read about the city of the Great Zimbabwe. True, true. That's um, very true. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I think I like I like to represent more than just European perspectives in terms of history, and you know there's a billion Rome games, a billion Greek games, a billion British Empire games, but yeah. how many Indian Empire struggle games are there? And I found this fascinating, and I would like more of that stuff, please. Like I was looking for a game, uh, sort of set in like you know, uh, uh, basically the Middle East or, or earlier in the Middle East, but not like. Sumeria, like, you know, like early 20th century, late 19th century. And uh, the only thing I could find is like British involvement in like mandatory Palestine and, and stuff like that. Like, it, it's like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, w what about giving me something that isn't about, you know, the European perspective? Um, but yes, that's uh, also an interesting thing I, I find uh, for games like the uh, Navajo Wars or Comanche or or, or or games like that. So I like these perspectives that are showing, you know, variable perspectives. So this one had that. I love the I I'd love the podcast episode. Great podcast if you don't listen to it, Fall of Civilization. And um and and it was a coin based system, ICS, the first of the ICS system. So I was like, great. I backed it. It's designed so what by what is ICS? Irregular conflict series. So they're like All right coin but different like if they don't perfectly fit into that coin system they are part of the ics system i think that's how they're going about doing it. so so like the afghanistan terrorist thing was it that's ICS coin that's the... a coin uh which one sorry okay which of guys fighting the lake i think that's a vietnam game oh which one is the afghanistan a distant plane yeah yeah so 
it's like it's like that distant fire in the lake, which is Vietnam, distant planet, which is Afghanistan, Cuba Libre, and Cuba, and so on. And then they also have their ancient coin series. So you have like Falling Sky and Pendragon, you know. Um, but then this is like stuff that doesn't fit that mold, and it kind of becomes this ICS system. It's made by a design team that hasn't designed anything else. Corey Graham, Matthew Johnson, Aman Matthews, and Saverio Spagnoli. And I looked online and I can't see anything else that they designed on BGG. So that was a bit of a red flag, but uh, yeah, it was GMT. I bought it. Um, came out this year, 2024. Or, or maybe it's a green flag. Maybe they are all, they are all historians. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> so let me, let me jump into the game. So the, the game started... Um, the game, the concept of the game is there's three factions. There's the Delhi Sultanate, the Bahmani Kingdom, and the Vijayanagara Empire. And basically, um, you're all sort of struggling for control of different areas, and they're all asymmetric. But the way the game starts is Delhi is in control of the whole map. Like, the whole map is subordinate to Delhi. And the other two are slowly chipping away at, the, at Delhi's empire. So, being Delhi, you start at the most points you're going to have in the game. And as the so game being progresses, is sad. <laughs> you're, you're losing points. <laughs> um, the system itself is the same sort of coin system where you have the action chart where people can do like events on the cards or they can do uh, commands and decrees or they can do a limited command but remain eligible for the next card. But if you do one of the major things, you become ineligible for the next card. So you have to wait for your turn. Um, or you can choose to bide your time and remain eligible and go when it means the most. Um, and of course, the commands and decrees are different for each faction, same as the other coin games. Of the course. Delhi experience is very interesting because I played Delhi. So in there's there's four oh. rule books in the game. There's how to play. There's the rules done in like glossary style, like like you know one point one point two kind of thing and easily like referenceable there's a strategy guide which has like the history and the breakdown of the cards and some strategy stuff and then there's a solo rule book oh i was gonna say that the there is also a book about the psychological support of the daily player <laughs> you know you're, you're kind of hitting all my points before i'm even getting to them but <laughs> so that's interesting that you say that because in all these books at some point there is a warning where it says <laughs> uh delhi is really hard to play <laughs> just oh so God. you understand so i'm like okay i'm playing with carol and playing with dima dima has never liked sort of being attacked a lot so i'm like all right not dima <laughs> who and likes carol, to be being attacked i was like i was like carol like i want him to like this series because I want to play Cuba Libre and stuff with him. So I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. I was like, basically like, okay, I am the one that read the rules. I taught the game. I know exactly, the most. Yeah. So I should be Delhi, you know? Let me express to you what the Delhi experience is like. <laughs> the game is basically broken up into four quarters. In the first quarter, which is um, before the Tughlaq dynasty comes to play. Um, Sorry, how much time is the game? Uh, we took three hours first time. Um, okay, so one one quarter is like uh, yeah. I think hour, I think you could get the game in under two hours. Honestly, um, I think next time we play, we can finish the game in two hours or less. Um, so yeah, thirty to forty minutes per, per or thirty minutes per quarter. Let's say 
34 units. So um, let me express you. The first first quarter, the Tughlaq dynasty hasn't come out yet. It's the Khalji dynasty. And they have like an iron fist in terms of control. So your opponents are not able to rebel openly. Now, they can attack you. They can, you know, do stuff like that. But when they attack you, they become rebels. And then you can attack them and you can crush them, right? You're really powerful. Um, and that's where the good news ends. <laughs> because basically by the time the second quarter starts, you flip it over to the Tughlaq dynasty, which is like Muhammad al-Tughlaq, who's the guy who like, waged war on the sun because it shone on him while he was changing clothes one day or something. Um, and he raised an army. They went out into the field and he was trying to, you know, defeat the sun, but the army was so big. This is the story. I don't know if it's true. Obviously it's probably not. The, 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 they, they kicked his army's horses, kicked so much sand into the air and dust into the air that it covered the light. So his generals managed to convince him that his opponent had fled. And then they returned back. <laughs> uh, so that, this when, when is so that, interesting. So when that guy comes into play, they can start rebelling. And my God, oh my God! So the, <laughs> the second, the second quarter is like, oh man, oh I'm starting to, I'm starting to lose some of these territories. Okay. Uh, oh, the Mongols are going to invade. Oh yeah, I didn't tell you. So other than the three. There's two Mongol cards in every set of eight. So it's eight cards, and of those eight, two are Mongols. Eight cards, two are Mongols. Eight cards, two are Mongols. And then eight cards, two are Timurid, uh, uh, invasion of Timur, Tamerlan the Great coming from the north, So um, which he eventually sacked Delhi historically. So you're like, oh, man, the Mongols? Like, really? Like, I can barely, like, control what's happening in the south. Oh, my God, these Mongols. Oh, wow, I wasn't paying much attention to them. And oh shit! Oh my god! All right, so um, that's kind of how it feels. Just to give you an idea. Then, oh. by the time the third quarter comes around, it's like, holy shit! Fuck! Fuck! Shit! Fuck! No! No! Stop it! No! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> so you start with eighteen points. By the end of the first quarter, I still had eighteen points. By the end of the second quarter. I had 14, 15 points. By the end of the third quarter, I had like six, right? (laughs) And then on top of that, the way the deck happened to lay out, the last two cards of the third quarter were Mongol, Mongol, right? Attack. And then the first two cards of the fourth quarter were Timor attacks from the north. So I had four Mongol invasions back to back to back to back. And the game ends after the fourth Mongol invasion, after the second Timur invasion, sorry, which is basically the eighth Mongol invasion of the game. And after that, there were still six cards that I didn't get to play. We didn't get to play, but four in a row meant I was in no way ready for that (laughs) invasion from the north. And you can get from that, you can get between three. Which is historically correct, I want to say. Yeah, but you, you can get between three and minus three points. I got minus three points. So just to show you how not ready I was for that. So it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed getting my ass. At the end of the game. At, at what quarter did they surpass you in, in victory third, points? Th- uh, third quarter. In the third one. 
Yeah. And honestly, um, that was partially my fault. I think, uh, obviously we didn't know how to play very well, but, um, I think it would be very hard to maintain it through the four quarters, but because you can get a bonus, if you defend well against Timur, I feel like I would play it a little bit differently. If the cards came out spaced a little bit differently, I would have done better. Anyway, the point is at the end, I wanted to give you this quote from my friend, Carol, uh, who was playing the Bahmani kingdom. He said, good game. Actually the perfect Elias game. Playing the Delhi Empire looked to be about the same as getting repeatedly hit with a steel chair mounted on horses. <laughs> Which, you know, because I'm always saying on the podcast how I enjoy when a game kicks your ass. And no game has kicked my ass more than this one. And let me tell you something. I had a blast i had one of the best afternoons i've had in gaming for a long time so let me get my negatives out of the way it's not balanced if you're De- <laughs> if you're deli it's not it's not gonna go well it's gonna go poorly until you get good at the game okay oh okay and, maybe oh, I, I was gonna say maybe this balanced if you're an experienced player yeah maybe maybe but it's not gonna yeah. balance for you let's just say that if you if oh, you're yeah. not good at the game it's not gonna help you um De- which i was not so delhi and delhi's rough but when you have like mongol mongol timor timor and then the game ends it's even more rough so i didn't like that that could happen like that seems like an like a no-win yeah. situation right and it can feel bad if you're not like my kind of character like if you're not okay with the fact that you're going to have a hard time of your afternoon it can feel bad because you start with the most points you're ever going to have and it just gets worse. That's your afternoon. As the, <laughs> For four as the hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, two to three, two to three hours. Okay. Um, but this is more like criticism of Delhi. I don't, the others, they got better. They, they had a great time. So that's, that's not. <laughs> but, maybe they felt bad in the, in the beginning, I guess. Maybe, the first, maybe uh, they kind of quarter. felt useless in the beginning. Exactly. Uh, the pros are it's very short for a coin game, uh, three hours with three first timers, uh, realistically two hours in the future, I think very realistically. Um, and it's an awesome theme, like I said, that's not often explored. The events on the cards feel really significant. Like, not like, oh, the whole game has shifted on its head, but they're worth taking, right? They're, they're oh. worth pouncing on the opportunity if the time is right. And the decisions are super tight, fantastically tight. Uh, There's no rinse and repeat. You can't just say every round, I'm going to, uh, you know, amass troops, I'm going to march on a campaign, and I'm going to attack. You can't do that. Like, there's no way you can just do that every round. You have to change and be flexible based on the order of events that come out. And it feels like there's 20 things you need to do, but you can only do like two. So you got to pick the two that will lead to the least catastrophic solution. <laughs> uh, Carol actually... It's opportunistic, nice, I guess, right? Yeah, all coin games are, really. But this one... All it, coin it games, showed, yeah. It feels very strong. Carol also said something which I think you might find useful. He said it's kind of what he wished PAX Premier was like. So if that oh. gives you... Yeah, so there's conflict, yes. But I would say battles between us, there were maybe like three the whole game 
Like there weren't a ton of like actual battles. It was more like how with Pax Premier, like you take cards and events and actions that sway the situation, but there's more like map control. And I think he enjoyed that. Three is a great count for a coin game because everyone sort of fights each other somewhat. I think in the beginning, they were just like, let's attack Elias because he has 18 points and we have zero, <laughs> which is a fair thing to assume. Yeah. Um, uh, so you do feel a little targeted, but as the game goes, they start fighting each other too. And you're like, okay, like I don't feel like they're targeting me. And the events give you an excuse to be an asshole or a dick. So like, basically, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have attacked you, Dima. But this event, how could I not take it? Like, it gives me so much. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And you're like, yes. <laughs> I got to attack people. <laughs> um, it's a high, high, high recommend for me. It's some of the most fun I've ever had in a game while losing horrifically. And my initial instinct was like, I don't want to play Delhi next time. But the more I thought about it, I really want to play Delhi next time. But I want to do two things. I want to measure, I want to rein in my expectations. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to win the game. I will try to, but I won't. I would like to try to play Delhi and end up with like three more points. That's what I'd like to do. Oh. And, and I think that if I could do that, because I think if you can play Delhi, like it's like being a maestro. It's like controlling the, everything affects Delhi in some way. You are, inevitable in the game right oh. you're there and whatever happens very will interesting, I guess. yeah so but there's too many things to control there's rebelling empires and mongol invasions and your economy and and you're trying to manage everything and i think i'd love to be good at that i'd love to be good at that so i'd like to play delhi again so end of story really love the game <laughs> Really want to play Delhi. So, I think I know what I would do differently. I would I wouldn't fight so hard for less valuable provinces. I would I would just amass my troops in central locations that I want to keep and just assume it's inevitable that I lose the lower ones, but I'm gonna make you bleed to take the more valuable ones. I'm not going to underestimate the Mongols and I'm going to um spend a bit more time sort of managing the locations of my armies and the placement of my governors because my go governors can if people are still loyal to you you can get rid of them off the board and if people are not loyal to you they're basically army units but if they're not in a valuable location and you just keep them there you're kind of wasting one of like four or five governors you have for the whole game so i really want to manage that better i want to manage the mongols better and i know i think what to give up the next time I play in order to sort of, I don't know, maybe I'll do worse. Who knows? But that's where my <laughs> head's at. Do, and that's all I'm thinking about. How do you resolve battles in this game? Great question. So it's a, it's a dice system, but it's a clever dice system. So the attacker always rolls four dice. The defender always rolls two dice. And a hit is anything equal to the number of units you have or lower. So if I have four units, I hit on a four or lower. If I have two units, I hit on a two or lower, right? And those are six um, dice? Yeah, D6s, right. A six is always a miss. Uh, a one is always a hit. But um, you can use cavalry, which is a tradable asset in the game. There's two things in the game that's tradable. 
resources, which is just a vague concept on a track, resources, and cavalry. So you can give people cavalry. And cavalry let you do one of two things. Uh, charge your screen. And basically when you charge, you can reduce one of your dice by one number. So if, let's say you had four four units, you rolled a five, you could drop that five to a four. So it'd become a hit. And screen lets you remove one of your opponent's dice. Anything but a one. You can never remove a one. Um, and you can never you can never drop a six to a five. So th those are the two things, but it's pretty clever. It doesn't feel hopeless, and it feels like as long as you you stay in cavalry, like have some cavalry, you'll usually be able to come out okay in combat. That's another thing that I didn't do right. So I always had maximum two to four cavalry. Like I should have a lot of cavalry. Like I'm getting attacked by the Mongols in the north, guaranteed every quarter of the game. I should have had that. I didn't have that because I didn't spend enough time getting gathering resources and, and another thing is that your resources are directly connected to how much how much how many provinces you control and their their sort of prosperity value and you get half of that rounded down in resources but as the game goes by it's inevitable that you're going to lose provinces so i only in before i started losing provinces i maybe gathered income once and i was like ah oh, it's a lot of income whenever i need it i'll do it but later on when you're only in control of half the provinces your income doesn't look very pretty so i think like even if you don't need it at the beginning max out on resources as much as you can because you'll need them later on um just brilliant and there's so many things in my head that are itching I'm like i want to try this i want to try that i want to try this and and that's my that's why virgin queen became my favorite game because when i left the game i was like ah, it's like an eight out of ten eight and a half out of ten i don't like the dice rolling and then all i could think about for a week was like what i would do differently and then i was like okay i i love this game and every time i play it it's the same um i just keep thinking before and after the game about what i would do and this one has that it has that what I would do different. I don't know if Bahmani and Vijayanagara have that feeling, but as Delhi, who got his ass kicked, I have that feeling. So, so you sound like this will be in your top three-player games. Three-player, so probably, yeah. Could you uh, compare this with uh, Maria and uh, Three Kingdoms Redux, maybe? I like it more than both. Um, wow, I would straight. rank them straight. <laughs> I, I would rank them now: Vijayanagara, Three Kingdoms Redux, Maria. Um, but I think depending on the day, Three Kingdoms Redux could surpass Vijayanagara because Three Kingdoms Redux is more of a Euro resource management, and yeah, while there's war, game. it's not really yeah. So if I'm not in the mood to be in someone's face all the time, I would definitely go Three Kingdoms Redux over this one but if you're in the mood for like a constantly shifting situation i like this one a lot okay so the three player uh problem is resolved basically by the victory points so i guess i'm gonna attack the guy with the most victory points or is there another mechanism that well no two people Th there's there's two aligned yeah there's two things one is um, the event cards sometimes give you something that's just too good to turn down, right? And then the other thing is those, actually there's three things. The other thing is that the Vijayanagara and Bahmani have a track they're competing on. Uh, 
which not only gives it's, it's called the uh, Deccan influence track. It not only gives them points, it also gives them access to more troops and it gives them access to better actions, getting more cavalry, stuff like that. So you want to be up on them. The only way to really move on that other than events is to attack each other or to be in each other's space. So, so there's that. And then the third thing is there are so many points for Delhi, 18 points to start with. If you let one of the, if you let one person run away with points, they have a much better chance of winning. So like, Basically, as Delhi, what you want is you're going to lose points, but you want both sides to have an equal number of points because oh, that means le- that means nobody has eight or yeah. ten points; they have four points. You know what I mean? That's kind yeah. of yeah. If if you want to give ten points, yeah, it's better to give five and five. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. you 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 might still you you'd still have eight, so you'd win eight five five. Like you know what I mean? Uh, there's other ways to get yeah. points for them. There's temples and and forts and. Uh, and the last thing is uh, their influence track, their Deccan influence track. But you can sort of manage that. And if somebody just lets the other one go without attacking them and Delhi can't hold them off because of the Mongol attacks, you're guaranteeing that person's going to win if you don't do something about it. So like, yes, if you want to win, you have to attack the other person. So, yeah. So today you were so excited about both games. So I was. It was a good uh, week. It was a good month of games. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking if you, if it was to play something tomorrow, would you play my father's work or Vijayanagara? Uh, considering they take Vijayanagara shorter. Uh, oh, you mean like it's Vijayanagara? Sorry. <laughs> to make it clear, <laughs> like I love my father's okay. work. Very good game, probably like between seven point seven five to eight and a half. Vijayanagara is upwards. It's 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 at minimum eight point two five, probably like eight point seven five out uh, of ten. All so, right. Yeah. High praise. Indeed. Okay. And so, uh, okay. Speaking speaking of that, high high praise and something that everybody is clamoring for, it's time for the Hippocratic Corner. Ipo. Oh, is is it something that everybody? Uh, no, I was just trying. To, I was just trying to be polite. <laughs> Most people tune out at this point. <laughs> Okay, so let's wait for some people to get uh, maybe some coffee, uh, make a break after all this exciting uh, news about new games that you can play and uh, maybe acquire in uh, yourself. And uh, go to the Hippocratic Corner, where today are going to discuss the top five most played games of mine and aliases. I don't. I'm not really sure why people would care about the play the games we have played the most. But my idea was that usually it's like party games or fillers that we play during uh, game nights uh, while waiting other players to join, or maybe after playing a heavy game. So it's interesting. What what are these games and what? Uh, which of these games are hitting the table most of the time? 
So I was really curious and I'm really curious what, what is your top five and I'm gonna guess we're gonna have some uh, common games in our top fives. What do you think? Probably. Um, I think uh, it was very interesting that you said not including online. So that's um, that rules out because we tend to play like if not a lot of games, but a lot of the same games online. So like Through the Ages, uh, Tashkalar, stuff like that. Those would be in my top, right? But they they're ruled out because on the table I've played Through the Ages less than 10 times, you know, like, so um, that's kind of where I, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, what I did, as you said, I checked my BG Stats app in which I've recorded over 2,000 plays of about 500 different games. And, 2,000 plays? Yeah. Wow. And of that, about 20% of that was online between Board Game Arena, Board Game Core, Tabletop Simulator, and apps on phone, Steam, Android, Epic, etc. So um, if that gives you an idea uh, of where I'm standing, uh, of what I'm, I'm drawing from, that's, that's, that's the pool. So, yeah. Okay, I have 1,500 games again. What a loser. <laughs> Not very close. I, I was very proud when I, I passed 1,000. Yeah, but, it's good. It's uh, good for yeah, you. Yeah. For you, it's good. Yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> maybe because I'm playing heavier games. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like Blood on the Clock Tower. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> I think. I think you know we can know who's playing the heavier games based on what we've talked about in the last few. <laughs> yeah, for the last year, yeah, I cannot compare to you. Maybe when I was there, we okay. played some heavy games. That was nice. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some disclosure, uh, my number one game that I have played the most in I, this I know, app. I know what it is. Is, is Bridge. I know. <laughs> so, so I don't count this. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, because I have, uh, I have registered 731 plays <laughs> because I, I was kind of, um, um, a regular bridge player back in Greece. I was playing tournaments twice a week for for almost seven years. Yeah. Plus, and I was he, you have some to think he, tournaments. He, he started in like his first first game was in the Acropolis when it was a bang in place. So it's, <laughs> he's been playing for a long time. <laughs> seven hundred plays. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, anyway. Yeah. So, so it's a let's go back to hobby games let's let's call them hobby games or something like that so bridge is out okay uh, and i i really wanted to have one honorable mention of course you because did. but you know why because number six is a game i love okay and it's puerto rico oh wow uh, i have 38 plays of puerto rico god damn because i at some point before we had kids, I was playing it every weekend with uh, Phil, Zach, and Lena. Mm. And at some point, we were so fast playing that we could play like, uh, I don't know, like a game in uh, multiple games in the same evening. I don't know, like yeah. four games. Wow. Uh, and uh, I really missed that time. But yeah. uh, I just wanted to mention that I have I, played a lot of Puerto Rico in my life. I also want. I also <laughs> wanted to mention something, and that's because, like you said, the games in the top five will tend to be lighter because they get played more. 
So I wanted to mention True. the highest kind of like, quote unquote, full game that I've I, I played, not counting online, obviously, is uh, Terra Mystica, which I have 20 plays of. Oh, so, um, really? Yeah, I love Terra Mystica. Um, so 20 plays. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, I just had to mention that That's one. I love that game. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. Like what was the, the ranking of Terra Mystica? Overall, it was like ninth, something like that. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Probably, Would you like actually, to go to your number five? Yeah, sure thing. So my number five comes from the fact that when I was in Qatar with Ipo and everybody, basically for like, I don't know, six months, every single week after we'd play whatever, we'd play this game. And that is where words. And I have 26 plays of where words registered. Um, really? I, yeah. I, I, I'm guessing <laughs> that you have a lot more plays based on the number you set for Puerto Rico coming in six. But I think in general, we know that you play the same game more often. I tend to play different. Where words? Where words. Yeah. We, play. we played where words a bunch. Remember? It was. Maybe I was not. I was not registering, maybe. <laughs> so Where Words is a game. There's there's multiple versions of it. There's one called Insider, I think, by Oink Games. And the idea is like you, uh, it's 20 questions, right? So people have a certain number of questions to narrow down what you are talking about, but it's sort of themed after the whole werewolf thing. And uh, there's a, I actually can't remember how to play this game. <laughs> it's been so long. But I remember that for like, <laughs> A good six months or so after every single game night, if not every one, every other one, we were like, where words? And then we'd bring out where words and play it. I played it at Origins initially, first time in 2017 with Mo and Erica and Dima. And I really enjoyed it. So I bought it. I brought it back. And then we played it a bunch for the two years following that. So that's the number five most played for me. Where words? What I remember is that I didn't like it too much. And... This isn't my favorite. This isn't my favorite games, Ipo. This is my most yeah, played no, I'm game. Just, <laughs> no, I'm I'm just giving feedback to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so what I remember is that yeah, it was not my favorite, and I have played it 19 times. All right. So you were there 19 uh, out of my, 26 times. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, so my my number five game is Code Names. Mm. I have 40, 43 plays of Codenames. Codenames is a magically welcoming game because it's always the first game we play in our board game nights while waiting for other people to, to come. Uh, because it's magical because it gives the freedom to everyone coming to join the game at any point. And it's really easy even if they don't know the rules. It's pretty easy for someone to explain while while the other players are guessing what is the uh, the words that they're trying to to point out, uh, because you you go there you immediately see a bunch of cards having words on them, and somebody is giving you a clue and he says okay you know something this clue I'm giving you uh, is relatable to four words on this table. So it's it's so easy and yeah uh, it's uh, it comes out and it's it's really a great game 
to engage people in uh, how many how many plays games, of code names for 43 wow so code names is number 11 for me it was 25 plays uh, and termisco was actually 12th uh, so that should mm. uh, to be oh. but yeah uh yeah oh. that, that it always hits the table it's a good game like there's no and i think if you combine all the code names together it would be on this list so i i didn't do that much work but like if i'd gone and combined code names code names pictures code names duet code names disney's like it would probably be on this list oh so, yeah yeah uh so yeah code names was was 11th just generic code names and yeah i totally uh, can see that so makes sense um my number, number four. four was a tie and i didn't know how to break them because <laughs> like you know what i mean like which one you played last maybe no, I'm just going to say both of them. <laughs> okay. So my number four was a tie at 28 plays. It's a tie between... So wait, this is your number four and three? No, no. Four and four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that, that stuff. <laughs> Technically, no, if, that, if I did that, it would be my four and five. So where words would okay. drop off. Okay. So, but okay. I didn't I didn't know who to put it four and who to put it five, you know? So um, it's a tie. It's between... Takinoko and Star Realms. Really? At 28 plays a piece. Not counting online plays. So Takinoko. Which one is Star Realms? I'll tell you all about it. This so is the one with, with, the, with, the, with the elastic. Uh, no, no. No. <laughs> no. That's a stupid game. That's Stellar Conflict. No. So uh, Takinoko. Conflict, yeah. Let me talk about them. Takinoko is a game about a panda who's really hungry. And you're building this garden and growing bamboo. And the panda goes and eats. And the gardener. We actually made an amazing story. We created a short story script about Takinoko on, on Storysmiths. Oh, and it's one of my favorite stories we've ever come up with. I, I adore the story of Takinoko. Because in my head, it's what? we came up with in story smiths which is way better it's a beautiful human story but uh technology is a great game it's very friendly it's kind of my go-to for you know where people would go to Catan or ticket to ride or whatever i go to takinoko so takinoko is like my gateway game for people i have the collector's edition which is why it gets played a lot which is where everything's like a giant fucking wooden piece and in case needed it can double as a toy for babies our friends come over last weekend and uh we just opened up takinoko and he stacked little bamboo things together and had a great time so um talking about star realms is a two-player combat game where it's a deck building game where you're fighting each other. So you have three factions, okay. uh, the Federation, the Blob, and the Star Republic. And you're basically building, you're buying cards from a market and then playing cards out to like build bases, destroy bases. And ultimately you're trying to reduce your opponent's uh, points. I guess they're they're called something else. Uh, for, I don't know what they're called. You, you destroy your opponent's points down from 20 to zero and yours down from 20. So it's that kind of game. And it's excellent. And I haven't played it in a very long time, but when it first came out, me, Mo, were playing it constantly, and then Byron got into it. We were playing it constantly, and it's just one of those you can sit and spend an afternoon playing four, five, six times, and um, really enjoy it. It has a great app as well. If if I didn't count those, but it has a great app as well. So, tied for fourth, Takinoko and Star Realms. Oh, great! So my number four. With 44 plays, so it's 444, four, four, <laughs> is 
is a game published in 2000 that came very early in my game group. And I, I can say it was the code names of the era because we were playing it while waiting others to come and play the main course. And that game is Carcassonne. Can I guess, oh, fuck. I was going to say Carcassonne. Uh, I, I and, just in my head well, Carcassonne came out in 2000 and it's just like it's like burned uh, in my head and I don't know why. <laughs> okay yeah uh, Carcassonne actually it was the Greek version and the Greek version's name is the Castles of Mistra which is an area in southern uh, uh, west Greece where mm. they have a lot of castles anyway I don't know why uh, they why they changed the name of the game. You're playing knockoff uh, knock Carcassonne. <laughs> <laughs> so the game is you are laying down tiles to make them up, combining roads, castles, and villagers, scoring points during the game and in the end of the game. Uh, Carcassonne is a game that I wouldn't play, to be honest, right now. Uh, I mean, if somebody brings it in... Uh, in a game night, I would say, okay, let's pick another from the, I don't know, 30 games that are around us and play that. But it's still, I can see the the qualities of the game and uh, how welcoming it is to new players. And I guess uh, I would uh, suggest it to new gamers, right? Great. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, my first Carcassonne is a great game for kids also, and there's so many versions of Carcassonne and expansions. There's always something fun. It's a fun game. It's a great game. Um, my number three is also set in Greece, actually. Um, oh, my number in Greece, th- Attica. No, what? My number three game with 29 plays is Santorini. Oh, um, yeah. So really, I've, you've played so much, so much Santorini. Yeah, I've know. only played it in real life, and I think the reason it's good is again, it comes with this deck of like different gods and stuff you can use. So you want to try them all because you know the game's like fifteen minutes, and it's you know it can play more than two, but it's supposed to be for two. It's got a toy factor. It's beautiful to look at, but you want to try all the different. Oh, let's try this god. Let's try this god. And um, but yeah. but were you playing it two players or more? I played it once with more and never again. I played it once with three okay. and, and that was it. So two players is where it shines, and also it's really good for like I played with my nephew a few times. He enjoys yeah. it. Like it's it's a good game for younger people, and it's a good game to play two players when, for example, your wife doesn't like when you attack her and stuff. So like Santorini is not offensive, yeah. and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Right. And basically you're just trying to build up to a third level and get one of your characters standing on that third level it's kind of an abstract game even though they try to make it not abstract but you can cap that third level with a dome and then nobody can stand on that anymore and you're just trying to set that up and it's really cool really enjoyed really enjoyable yeah uh, not one of my none of these are my favorite games of anything yeah I mean, but design the, wise is amazing if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, like, it's really cool. It's, it's a great it's game. It's such a good game. Like, yeah. it's it's very simple and, uh, yeah, and as you say, engaging and you can play in 15 minutes. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's really great. And with 29 okay, plays, so that was Santorini. Your number three. 
so I said before that we were playing Carcassonne while waiting uh, back in the 2000s to play the main course. And the main course was always this game that I have 49 plays and it's the Settlers of Catan, which is now, uh, I guess, just Catan. Uh, so I have a, a little story about this because I still remember back in 1999, I, I went to a board game shop in Salonica where I was studying and I asked for Civilization because it was a game that I have found in a cafe and we were playing it like crazy. So I was trying to, to buy that game. I was in love with uh, Civilization at that time. And the guy in the shop, in the board game shop, replied to me that he doesn't have Civilization right now, but there is a, this new, very popular game, which is called Settlers of Catan. I was thinking, Settlers? Okay, this reminds me of the video game Settlers. Is there anything related to this video game? And the guy said, yes, yes, it's very, it's, it's <laughs> almost the same. And it's, of course, it has nothing to do, right? <laughs> but I thought to myself, to myself, okay, let's give it a try. And from that moment, everyone loved that game. We were playing only that for the next four years. I remember people were randomly gathering at my cousin's house, waiting just for the fourth player to appear, or any fourth guy to appear, just to play Catan. And... Of course, at that time, I still remember uh, that I was always, not, not always, but I was winning a lot. And my cousins, uh, I remember my cousin always saying to new players that, you know, first rule of Catan is we first attack uh, Hippocrates. <laughs> <laughs> so I have very fond memories of this game. I had an excellent time. At some point, we moved to play the Citizen Knights expansion, which was like more strategic, but mm -hmm. no, the original, I think it's uh, the best thing you can do. I think I think and a lot of our, our lists are derivative of the time that we started playing games. So like when you start playing games, early 2000s and stuff, like I know we all played games our whole lives essentially, but like hobby, modern hobby board games. It was Catan, it was Carcassonne, it was Puerto Rico. Like that's why you played a bunch of those. Um, whereas for me, like Takinoko Star Realms, you know, stuff like that, um, that was kind of early 2010s. Very true. Yeah, so that might kind of be where that comes from. Um, Ex except code names. Yeah, but that one, and word words, exactly. Yeah, and, that's, that's yeah. A, a different story. And actually my number two has nothing to do with anything. And it's an incredible game. Top notch game. <laughs> I love this game. Um, you're not even going to know what I'm talking about until I remind you what it is. With a whopping 38 plays, all of them in real life, because there is no online version of this game, it is called Brawl by Cheap Ass Games. And oh. Brawl is a game where it's so good. <laughs> Basically, each of you uh, has a deck of a deck, right? There's two fighters you're going up against each other and you each get a deck and i have six decks you can't even get them i had to get them on ebay like used you get them and then you're like fighting each other by like playing cards really fast onto three piles in the center and you're like taking cards and like swiping them to the end of the table and starting new piles and slamming your hand down and i think the reason it's up there 
is because one of the years I was in Qatar, Dima made a birthday surprise for me. Uh, it was a surprise where she invited 20 people and then was like, would you like to barbecue for everyone? So I ended up spending the whole day barbecuing for 20 people. <laughs> but uh, I had a great time. And at the end of the night, we had a brawl contest, right? So we had a little board. I, I remember the brawl contest. Yeah. I, I think the final was me versus Lena, actually, um, yeah. which I believe I won uh, handily. But basically, it was like uh, everybody was playing against each other. There was like a, there was like a whiteboard with uh, like a bracket on there. Everybody was playing. So I think like half the plays probably came from just that night because we played so much Brawl. Um, but I love it. It's so much fun. It's a great game. It's, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's excellent. I love it. Brawl. I think I have I have only played it that night, the night you described. <laughs> you were very, very, very poor at it from what I remember. Uh, I'm like, very slow. No. <laughs> so so these games are not like uh helping me yet. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's not for everybody, but it's stupid and it's fun and if you're good at it it doesn't mean like you're amazing at anything. It just means whatever. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> dr- it was it was fun. Yes. It means you drank the least that day or something, you know. So it's just a lot of fun. I would I would play it at a party. It's raucous. You can bet on people. That's fun. So you can have like odds where people put money on people. I love it. Brawl is a great game. It's like chicken fighting for nerds. <laughs> Chick- what's it, what's it, cockfighting. <laughs> it's like cockfighting for nerds. I love it. Brawl is great. I haven't seen anybody else having that game, by the way. I, I don't think anyone does. I'm telling you, there was one copy on eBay, and I bought it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but I, I definitely got my money's End worth out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to my number two. My number two now, again, I have a kind of disclaimer because we were playing the game uh, live with other people. But at some point, we were using our phones... And that game is Spyfall. So I count all 51 plays of Spyfall because we were actually there even with uh, uh, using the the web page instead of the uh, physical copy. Definitely counts. It counts for sure. Yeah. Thank you. So this game was always a great ending to our board game nights. Uh, Even uh, actually my personal favorite was Avalon. But uh, this was uh, also one of the greatest. Uh, It's up to eight players and we all get a card with the location we are in, except one, the spy. The spy gets a blank card, so he doesn't know where we are. And we all ask each other questions in order to find the, the spy, in order to identify who is the spy. The questions, though, cannot be too obvious because the spy is trying to deduce the location. And if she does that, she wins. So, in the end of the limit time, we vote who we think is the spy, and uh, that's why the game is Spyfall. So, after I think after you left, then I only had one friend with a with a copy. But at some point, uh, there was a a website mm-hmm. where everybody could just get a card from uh, the if you join a game, the the app is distributing. A card to you so you can play the game with your phone and that's amazing uh, but I must say 
uh, that I think it makes people feel awkward uh, sometimes if they are the actual spy and they don't know what other people are talking about and it's kind of stressful that's the for whole new game players. that's the whole game it's the whole game if, if they if that if people are, are feeling stressed about that i don't know i don't i, I can't i can't I, <laughs> you can't you can't oh yeah yeah that's the game the whole game is for you if you knew where we were it wouldn't be much of a game would it we would just be talking about the embassy like it, it doesn't but, make any sense but the list the listeners should know that so if no. this is your I disagree. Uh, it's not your cup of tea. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, find you, find it's better not friends. Very, yeah. <laughs> it's not very relaxing if you don't want to be in that oh, position. Okay. okay. And I bl- basically, I blame you for learning and playing so much Spyfall in my life. For How sure. did you find Spyfall? I love Spyfall. But I want to tell you one thing before we continue. I wanted to tell you um, the one thing I, do that I don't like about the app is it just tells you the name of the location or that you're a spy. Whereas in the game, you get a card with artwork on it. So you can always ask a bunch of stuff relating to that uh-huh. artwork, which actually gives some people who don't know what to ask a little bit of something. I don't do that much because I like coming up with like weird ass questions that half the people on the table don't get because they accuse me of being a spy. But uh, I know like Ricardo, he always referred to stuff in the image. That was his go-to. Um, so anyway, my number. But are you supposed to do that? You can. You can do whatever you want. So, anyway, my number one. Okay. With Sorry, forty-one. Before saying your number. How did Spyfall came to you? How how did you get the? So did anybody suggest that? Yeah. My number one with forty-one plays is Spyfall. <laughs> if you just let play? me say, yeah. If you just let me say it, I could have told you. <laughs> With 41 plays is Spyfall. Um, and uh, how did it come to me? I think I saw it on the Dice Tower, and then I bought it early years. Oh. Um, but uh, Spyfall, it's just great. It, everything Ipo said is good. So what I'm going to do, I'm not going to go over everything. I'm just going to tell you some stories. The best thing about Spyfall is the different experiences people have with places shows when they're talking about those places one of my favorite stories to tell is we were at the embassy and both me and i was i was not the spy and neither was my friend chris who was dutch and that matters for the story but i asked him because i was at that point a citizen only of ghana not canada which means that i had to get a lot of visas in my life and i spent a lot of time waiting at embassies to get visas and being questioned and being like, you know, um, it wasn't a pleasant place for me. So I asked Chris, how do you feel when you're at this place? And Chris is like, Chris is like, great. Probably a little bit tipsy. A little, and I realized that his only experience with embassies as a privileged Dutch guy was to go to embassy parties. That was his entire experience with, with embassies. Like they would have King's Day at the embassy. And, and so you'd go there and get drunk. And, and my entire experience is waiting in line to be rejected for visas. And like, I just love that because we were both there and I was like, I don't understand. Like <laughs> he's definitely, he has to be the spy. There's just no way he has to be the spy. And uh, yeah, there's so many stories like that. They're, uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and we could go on and on. And one of my favorite things I did once was I made a deck with just spies in it, and I gave it out to everybody. So everyone thought they were a spy, and nobody was actually anywhere. Yeah, that that was not funny. <laughs> it was funny to <laughs> Except me, for you. I had a great <laughs> night. <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing time because because then you 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 make little comments to provoke people. Like somebody will say something and you're like, "Oh shit, definitely the spy." And then somebody <laughs> looks at you and they're like, "I know, right?" <laughs> like you <fucking> liar. <laughs> you should have recorded that session. I should have. It was so good. It was so good. But yeah, I've been trying to say this this whole time. You keep saying, what about you for Spyfall? How many plays do you have? Where did it come to you? I'm telling you, it's my number one. It's my most played oh, game right. in person. I love Spyfall. I have Spyfall and Spyfall 2, and I mix them together in the one box, and we have a billion places where we could be. And it's the best game. So uh, not the best game, but the most played game, and still one of my favorite party games. Like, I don't play it much, but I'm always down to because as opposed to being a word game or like a hidden role game where you're trying to fail missions, you're just having a conversation. And if you're pretty good at bullshitting your way through life, you could probably have a good time, you know, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's fun. why yeah. it's it creates, uh, it creates stories. I, I can give it that. I think it does. One uh, of my favorite, one okay. of my favorite, sorry, I think I stole this from someone. Uh, that I saw online, but um, it's uh, when you're in the Crusades. Uh, I I asked. I think uh, I think I still have some. I can't remember someone some YouTube video, but I asked like, "Do you like your Saladina bowl?" Right, and the idea was it's Saladin, <laughs> which in English people say Saladin, so Saladina bowl. And when I asked it, literally everyone was like, "Who is this moron?" And why does he think we're in a restaurant? <laughs> so everyone just pointed at me. And I was like, huh. <laughs> I thought I was being slick there. Um, yeah. So You were too slick. Too slick, too slick. So Spyfall, my number one most played game. Okay, so let's go to my number one. Uh, I have told many times this story to the podcast, but I need to tell it once more because this is my number one game. It's a, it's the story of how I tried to lure my then girlfriend, Lena, into the board gaming hobby. So I taught her Rainer Knizia's game Lost Cities, mm. which is a push-your-luck game for two players. And at that time, Lena didn't have any clue about modern board games. And she, I remember she had made clear to me that she doesn't like to lose. So, you know, it was very fresh uh, between us. Like we, we knew each other like for two weeks or something. Uh, so I, I'm teaching her the game. We start playing and I really try to make her feel she's almost always winning by hair. Mm -hmm. So at, at some point, the score is something 15 to 10 because I count scores, of course. <laughs> and uh, she she's winning. And then I decide that now, okay, she's really hooked on the game. So now can, it's the time to start beating her and see oh how God. she reacts. So we play another like 20 games and the score now is like 30 to 15. She really, I really cannot beat her. She, <laughs> she really destroys me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's the fuck? What the fuck is going on? I thought that I was just letting her win. 
And so at some point, I, uh, it's coming to, to the end. I, I, I tell her the whole truth. And I say, okay, how the fuck you keep winning this dumb game? Please tell me your strategy. I still remember that. So she starts explaining to me. I didn't really get better. But for all these reasons, I have now like more than... Actually, I didn't make a note of how many exactly, but I have more than 50 uh, games recorded in my board gaming app. And by the way, what's the name? I, I think we need to mention the board game app, which is... BG Stats, I did. What's it? BG mm. Stats, thank you very much. Yeah. So that was Lost Cities, Reiner Knitz, a very good game. That's definitely in my top as well. I think it came... Definitely in the top 20 because Dima and I also used to play that a lot. Uh, that one and Targi were like our go-to two-player oh, games. Oh, I remember Targi, yeah. Yeah, that one Targi and Akrotiri Bagatiri took way longer, so it sort of fell off. But Targi is still like one of our favorites if we're just playing two players. So um, great, great pick. And I love the romance attached to it. So uh, it, yeah, it works. I, I really, I mean, I really like that we... we went so back in time just to remember all these nice things i yeah. like this top five yeah it works and uh it's uh it's it clearly worked because lena loves board games now <laughs> <laughs> she's she's just in a break we're in a break for the last 15 years yeah <laughs> no for the last uh i mean since you left qatar i guess okay anyway so so okay, five but, years. <laughs> yeah, so sad story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the listeners should uh, uh, not forget to let us know what their top five most played games are over at our Board Game Geek Guild or Instagram or YouTube now. And you can find the link to that in our episode description. Thanks right. so much, Ipo. And that brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or YouTube at Tabletop Sessions. Join the conversation. Share a fun story of board game shenaniganism. And let us know what your top five was this month over at our Board Game Geek Guild or Instagram or YouTube. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. We'll be back in a month. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye. Tabletop top. Playing is the answer. Goodbye, bye, guys. Wow. That was deep. That was deep. I was thinking to make like a, a Coelho, you know, wallpaper saying that. What do you saying, think? Like? Saying what? Coelho, you know, the author with the, with the saying what? Uh, you know, deep uh, quotes. Saying playing is the answer. Don't. <laughs> it would work in Facebook. <laughs> We're back to Facebook again. How old are yeah, you? Yeah, let's not let's not have this discussion. We don't have a Facebook page, which is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> when are, when are we going to TikTok, Elias? Our, our our listeners want to know. You know it's the future, right? <laughs>